welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you for another podcast. As always, man, we appreciate you being a part of our podcast family. Today, I'm really excited. It's one of my favorite series we do. It's called This Is Us. This is an opportunity where we just allow our people to join me on stage, and we do a sermon letting people tell a little bit about their life and what God has done in their life and how it has changed it. Uh, Today is an amazing story. I hope that you'll take time to listen as we truly see how God, no matter what, is faithful. So join us today in This Is Us. Well, if you're joining us for the first time, you picked a great day to be here. We're in the middle of a series called This Is Us. And will you do me a favor and welcome Miss Naomi Redante to the stage? Yes, yes. Uh, Miss Naomi is also our preschool director. So we are here to kind of unveil, to me, an amazing, amazing story. Uh, I don't mind telling you, I asked Miss Naomi, and I told her this this morning. I said, Naomi, it's really not about your story. I said, it's about your heart. I don't think you guys understand how blessed we are to have somebody like Miss Naomi leading in our church. And I wanted to give her an opportunity for you to understand a little bit about where she's come from and understand some of the things that you've, you, you didn't realize that she was dealing with as, as she was still loving your kids and doing what God's called you and help us all to understand it because Scripture tells us out of the heart the mouth speaks. And so I just want to encourage you one more time. Let, just let your heart speak. And with that being said, what would you say, because I think it all started in September of 2016. What does that date in particular mean to you? Yeah, so it was the strangest thing. Um, actually, my principal walked into my classroom and she said, it's done. And I don't know what she meant by it, but... For the first time, um, I really just felt God's presence um, and peace over my life. Um, And I really felt like he was saying, it's time for you to move into a different season. Um, You, I I mean, I've always believed in um, marriage till death do us part. um, But I just felt in that moment, God was saying, it's okay for you to leave this marriage and move on into a different season, um, and I will be with you. And it, I just, it felt so weird because I didn't have much of a relationship with God. I was really just going through the motions, going to church, taking my kids to church, and trying to get plugged in to Bible studies and stuff like that, but um, never really desired much of a relationship with him. Um, it was more like a genie in the bottle. God, I would pray, you know, God, can you do this? God, can you, you know, kind of relationship. But, um, This new season, though, that he was taking me into, I had no idea um, what it was going to be, but um, it it was single motherhood, um, and with that came some really, really lonely, scary um, moments um, of just, I mean, terrifying new things like buying a new house or renting. And everybody told me to rent, but I was like, I felt, again, that peace. It's okay. You can buy, and I'm going to take care of you. 
Um, but I mean, I was going through custody battles and um, picking up extra jobs and court and all this different stuff. And it was just so scary um, that it was just taking me down to these places that were really, really dark. Um, I just felt a lot of rejection, um, a lot of hurt. Um, I started questioning, like, why am I here? What is my worth? Um, what are you doing, God? Like, you know, what have I, you know, kind of just a lot of um, questions. Um, and what do people think, you know, kind of thing. Um, but in those times, in those really, really dark moments, those lonely um, nights when I didn't have any of my kids and I was all alone in my house, um, I just had this desire to know God, and um, it actually began a new journey in my life um, of faith, um, and actually for the first time, I felt like um, I was in this relationship with God, and through that, um, it was just the strangest thing. He sent people in my life. My dad came in to move with me, and everybody thought that was strange, but um, he started leading me through my faith, and we started worshiping and watching sermon after sermon, and I ended up getting plugged in with a women's group, um, and if you, know, if you knew me back then, I was a very introvert. I mean, the only thing I liked to do was go into my classroom, teach, leave, go home, and, you know, like very introverted. Um, and so joining this small group was a big deal. Um, but um, the leader ended up asking me to lead a group, um, which was the craziest thing. But I, I didn't know what God was doing at the moment. Um, but in that obedience, I was stepping out and saying, God, um, I, I, don't, I don't know you much. Um, I'm learning, but I'm going to do what you want me to do. Um, and so I started opening myself up to opportunities to um, be with other Christians, um, learn more. And another crazy thing, people thought I was crazy, I started writing verses all over my walls. Um, so <laughs> people would walk in and they were just covering with a white expo marker. I just, every time God brought a verse to me and it really meant something, I wrote it down. Um, and I knew as a kid, Psalms 23. Um, and so I wrote that on my wall. Um, and that was a, just a really big verse to me because when I was going through court, um, I really needed that reminder of Psalms 23. The Lord is your shepherd, I shall not want. I and um, we can put it up there, but um, yeah, I, so I started memorizing all these verses, and I started memorizing them with my kids, and we started, um, you know, yeah. reading chapters of the Bible every night, um, and um, it's so funny because there was one moment that... Um, that God was even testing me through this journey. Um, but one day I was in church and I had realized that I had gone negative in my bank account. And it was so scary because here I had three kids. I was working more than I had ever worked. Um, you know, I was taking on more responsibilities. And, um, and then God, you know, the offering came up and he was like, give that last $100 that you have in your purse um, in the offering. And I was like, I can't do that. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. I need to drive back, pay for gas. Um, I, there's no way. Um, but as I walked out that door, I felt God just saying, trust me, trust me, trust me, be obedient. Um, and so I dropped that last $100 I had, and my dad had to pay for gas. But 
Um, the very next day, someone knocked on my door and handed me an envelope, and there was $500 in it. And it was just, you know, just that, those moments that God was just reminding me that, like, I'm here, mm. I'm going to always be with you, no matter how tough this journey becomes and how, um, like, it's not about you, you know, like, um, and the more, more darker it got, the more I found myself finding him. Yeah, I, I remember when we spent time talking at, at the office and, and had just a, again, such an awesome time just hearing the depth and everything that we're going to try to put into, you know, 15, 20 minutes. But it's one of those things that I remember you sharing that story and you said literally, since that moment, you've never lacked again. Never. And I just thought, you know, like, like it, it's because, you know, try, try to be careful, but a hard thing with trusting is when people in this earth have not been trustworthy. And so when the people in this world that you have put your, your heart and your soul into and in a marriage into, and, and you've trusted them, and they've repaid that trust with, with unfaithfulness and not being trusting, then naturally you're going to put that onto your relationship with God. Like if the people I see and I touch and that I, that I do life with, if, if they are breaking my trust on a regular basis, then how in the world am I supposed to try to trust this person, have faith in this Jesus, this God, who I cannot see and I cannot touch? And that was a very real concept in your life in the beginning and trying to work through those things. And, and I love the fact that, that where you went was you went to God's word because you know everything that I read in all the years of ministry, the one thing I realized more than anything is that God's word, and he says it over and over and over again, God's word will not return void. And I just want you to know that if you're going, okay, I, where's the starting point? I want you to know it, it starts with his word. You say, well, well, where? Well, I, I would tell you to go to the gospel of John. Start with the gospel of John. But, but back into the story, you, you've gone through this, this process. You've, you've gone through this divorce. It's, uh, you can put that Psalms 23 back up there. I, I'm gonna take a moment and read it if you don't mind. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He, he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, listen to these, listen to these words. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, I, I have read that scripture so many times at funerals. It's like the go-to, but you don't ever think about it during tough times. And, and I think that's what got so intriguing after, like, after I had a chance to process our conversation, is that there was a part of Naomi that literally had to die. So as much as all that stuff was going on, 
my question is, so it still got worse though. Tell me about that. Yeah, so COVID hit. Um, all of you guys know <laughs> what that was like. Um, of course, we all experienced it a little bit differently. Um, but uh, we had shut down schools, um, mask, no mask. Um, we were starting up a new school year and trying to figure out how are we going to do this new year, school year, um, with COVID. And I'm out to lunch with my ladies. Um, it's our in-service day right before school starts. And I get a call. And um, it was definitely unexpected um, on the call. Um, they told me that my brother was found in his apartment, unresponsive, and um, he was in an amb ambulance. They had resuscitated him, and um, he was on the way to the hospital, um, and they weren't sure what was going to happen. Um, so, of course, my immediate is I get with my sister, and we jump in the car, and we head to Asheville um, to go be with my brother, um, who was going to be okay. He was. Um, I had this new faith that uh, God, God was going to bring him back to life, and this was just a, kind of a setback. It was just going to be a, his second chance. My brother had run from Christ, but um, his name is Josiah, and um, we always called him King Josiah, and um, he knew so many verses, and he was going to be a pastor one day. Mm. And... Um, so we get there, and um, it, it, a month goes by, and he's in a coma, and my brother, my, my uh, mom, my dad, and my sister and I are, you know, figuring out this whole COVID thing with the hospital and who was going to stay, what days, and all that kind of stuff, but we were there praying over him consistently, believing, knowing God was going to restore his body back to life, um, but on September 13th. Um, 2020, um, he took his last breath and he was gone. Um, and that was really, really hard because I, I mean, being new to this faith, you know, I'm like, God, why, you know, like, and my dad, you know, had so much faith. I don't know if you guys, um, but I mean, and he, the way he worshiped over him and read scripture day after day with him, um, like it, it was just like, like, why? Why, why, why did this happen? And it took me back down to some of those really dark moments. And um, it was really difficult over the holidays to um, enjoy the people that were still there with me because um, of this loss. Um, but... Would it be safe to say, as, as you're constantly... Like, trust is an issue, right? Because of some things in the past, we're having a hard time establishing trust. And all of a sudden, we've got this newfound relationship with Christ, and we're, we're writing scriptures everywhere, and, and we have faith, and we're going to pray over our brother Josiah, and God's going to do what he can do, and, and God, I'm going to trust you, and he passes away September. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, wait a minute. Like, okay, can I trust you? Yeah, and it, it was just like a knockout. Um, 
And I just it was like, God, I don't know how much more you feel like I can bear. You know, here I am grieving the loss of my, you know, last marriage. Here I am, you know, grieving the loss of my brother. And January 2020 or 2021, four months later, I get another call. Mm. And this one is to tell me that my dad was found lifeless in his bed or on the couch um, at his mother's house. He had gone down to Florida um, to be with his mom, and um, he was found lifeless um, on the couch. And um, So in, in literally a, a six-month period, we have lost our brother, we have lost our dad, and we went from this, like, faith and all of a sudden question. How did you deal with that? So I want to say, you know, I turned to God. <laughs> but um, actually, you know, it was kind of the opposite. Um, I still kept a good face, still tried to encourage my kids and be there for my job and coworkers and everything. But at the same time, like, I was literally dying inside um, I was becoming so angry, um, so numb, um, and again, being like, there can't be a God if this is going to happen. Like, there's, there's, I don't, I don't know who he, you know, I thought he was, but um, there definitely is not a God out there that would allow something like this so quickly. Um, and my dad was my best friend. He was the go-to guy. Like, he was the person that I went to if I ever needed anything. If there was a tough time, if I was struggling, if um, I needed some optimism, like, he was my go-to person. And now it was like, I have no one. Like, there's no one there. I had my husband, and yes, you know, he was there physically, but, like, it was just such a deep cut um, and, um, and going through that grief and that loss, like, you don't know how to process it um, and whether to do it together or, and what I chose to do is isolation. I decided to isolate myself, push people away, push my friends and my family and, you know, get more into my work, work harder, um, binge watch, you know, anything that took me away from having to deal with all this pain, um, that's where I went. And, and I know you're thinking, well, Mickey, this is a kind of a, like, are you telling people to run? <laughs> I want you to know that a part of the grieving process is going to be sometimes you hurt and sometimes you feel isolated and sometimes you feel lost. Like, like I don't know what we think when we think about Christianity that we're just gonna constantly have all the answers. And, and I want to say this very carefully. It's okay to be in that situation. It's just not okay to stay there. I think there's some of you guys in the room, I have been in this situation, that one day turns into one week, turns into one month, turns into one year, and all of a sudden five years have passed, and you're still back here in a situation because you've not allowed God to bring you through it. In fact, the scripture that you shared with, with me was in Ephesians chapter three. Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, because you were questioning God. And, and here's what you said. Now to him who is able, 
I think that's so key. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. And you told me, you said, as much as I was wanting to be like, this ain't real, I don't believe this, I'm like, this, there's no God, God wouldn't do this. The more you tried to push him away, you said you found yourself feeling closer to him than ever before. Explain to me how. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to tell you this magical answer of how, but um, it, it was it was the craziest thing. The more I pushed away, the more I felt his arms around me. And the more that I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. God, just take me, you know, like um, he just kept on reminding me of who he was and who I was. And, um, and even though the nights got really, really dark and moments got really, really dark, um, I, I constantly felt him reminding me of those scriptures that I had on my walls and one that I had behind me was the armor of God. And when the enemy got so strong and the pain was so strong, I had to remind myself to put on the helmet of salvation and put on the breastplate of righteousness and put on the boots of peace and grab up my sword, grab up the word of God um, and fight through this. And the more that I just physically, like, you know, did that or, you know, uh, put on those elements, um, you know, I felt him again reminding me of who I was and how there was worth to my life, that there was a purpose, um, that he was going to take me through this, he was going to get me through this, and he was going to place people in my life. Um, the more that I surrendered, I even tattooed gracefully broken, and the more I surrendered to him, the more he wrapped his arms around me and was faithful to take care of me through this journey. That's so good. You know, one of the things that I would like to point out is if you think about the armor of God, I don't think it's coincidental, right? I think God's word, every word matters. And, and even in the the role of where it's at, it, it matters. And can I tell you, there's a reason why the first thing it says is put on the helmet of salvation. Satan's greatest attack is in your mind first. He's always going to try you to get you to have what we say stinking thinking, to make you think less of yourself, more of a situation, Circumstances are bigger than what they are. I think about the scripture that says if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can look at the mountain and tell it to move and it'll jump into the ocean. But what Satan wants us to do is to get caught up and just start talking about the mountain. Like, man, this mountain's big. Man, I can't believe this mountain's in my life, this relationship. And God didn't say that. God said, no, no, you talk to the mountain. You tell the mountain what to do. Not talk about it, not dwell on it, not think about it. You just tell it what to do. And I think that's the situation that a lot of us, I say us, a lot of us find ourselves in is that we mentally start out on the wrong foot and it detours us from getting to the end point. 
And I think it's so amazing that for you, one of the things that you really emphasized was the fact that, you know what? I had to literally let who Jesus was as my Savior and Lord be what I thought about first and carry me through this. Well, there's a little bit more to the story. Tell me, if you don't mind, just a last little bit. When all of this took place and you started to kind of move forward, one of the things that you talked about, I wrote down it was ironic. The things you needed the most was the things you were pushing away the most. You said you were finding yourself isolating and focusing on work and binge watching. And, you know, though you had an amazing husband, wonderful kids, like the thing you needed the most was the thing you pushed away the most. Tell me when the wake-up call was to that. How did you realize that I need people? Yeah, I, I don't know that it was really a wake-up call, but it was one of those things where, like I said, the more I pushed away, the more God was like, I am here, and I want to be with you, and just like you were obedient before, I need you to continue to be obedient and open yourself up, and, you know, I hear it all the time, get involved, do this, do that, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, do those things really help? Um, but out of obedience, I was like, okay, God, um, if you want me to be involved in 21 days of prayer, that's what I'm going to commit to. Um, if you want me to do this Bible app, uh, the recap, the Bible recap, I'm going to do that, you know, um, and just taking those small steps of obedience, um, I found that the more I tried to push God away, the more that he was drawing me close to him into special, those very, very special moments um, and getting involved in community groups um, and um, just being obedient, just saying, God, I'm going to open myself up. I'm going to receive people. I'm going to stop isolating myself because it was so much easier to say, I'm busy. I need to just you know, take care of something else and not get involved um, so, um, yeah, the, and, and the need for um, a really good start to my day, I think that was really, really crucial. Um, I found the, um, um, my days just went a lot better and the enemy attacked a lot less when I set aside that time in the morning and said, this is going to be my time to pray first and get in his word. And it kind of gave me a good boost for my day um, to protect me from the attacks. Um, yeah, I, I know you shared with me that whole concept, and, and here's, here's the part I want you to catch, because if, if, if we don't, if we can overcome the mental hurdle, then what we get to next is just the daily obedience of the want to. Like, has anybody in the room ever hit a point where you're like, it's not that I don't want that, it's just I don't know that if I want to do what it takes to have that. I never forget a, a leadership class I was in. A gentleman stood up and he said, everybody wants to do what I do, but nobody wants to do what I did. And I think in life, that's a lot of times where we're at. God is faithful. And you look around and you say, man, I, I wanna have that relationship with Christ. I wanna have him be Lord of my life. I wanna make God the Lord of everything I've got, but I don't wanna do that. And the reality is, is what you realize is that 21 days of prayer and having a devotional life and getting into his word and getting in the community group. And I know you're thinking, but Mickey, I don't have time. Listen to me. I love every one of you. Can I say something very genuine? Then you don't have enough time. Mm 
Because I'm telling you, it's a really big deal. Last thing, Naomi, last thing. Here's what I want you to answer. If you could go back to September of 2016, what would you tell yourself? So much. Um, We don't have time for that, but no. I mean, I think I would say you are loved. You matter. God loves you. You are enough. And no matter what the lies of the enemy tell you, you've got to focus on his truths. You've got to put on the full armor of God. And don't be afraid of your battles um, because he's going to be there with you. He is. No matter how you push him away, no matter how bad they get. Um, And, yeah, he's going to be right there with you. And pray first. Get in your word, all these things. Get involved. I, and I know it sounds like another thing, but just small steps of obedience will get you into a place of finding that freedom and that love and that self-worth. And, um, and <laughs> like you said, it, I'm still in it right now, and I'm still dealing with it. Because you're still going to have battles, and you're still going to have times that you don't understand what's going on and why it's happening. And, um, but taking those small moments of obedience and saying, okay, God, I surrender. You're mine, or I'm yours, and you're mine, um, and, I, and I need you. Um, Absolutely. That's, well, I want to, before you get off the stage, I want to commend you. Because I'll do the best. You've got two girls that now know what it means to be a godly woman and to do what God's called a godly woman to do. And it's not about staying in poor relationships under the umbrella of God's word. And you've got an amazing young son that also understands what it looks like to be a godly husband. And then you've got all these bonus kids and this other amazing husband and you guys get to do this thing together in a blended family. And so just know this. We talk about this all the time. We say, don't waste your life. Can I encourage you? Don't waste your pain either because there's worth there's worth in the tough times and that's where we find relationships and where we find the ability to move forward and so on behalf of all of us I say we love you we appreciate what you do and we love your story and we're glad to be on this side of it with you You know, as we put a a cap to the end of this, you say, Mickey, what's the biggest point today? What is it that we, you know, what's the takeaway? Well, the thing that I would would want you to understand is, is I don't know necessarily where you are. And if we were to be honest, you don't really know where I am either. 
We go and do things together. We laugh together. We talk together. We have community groups together. We gather and worship together. But if we were to all be completely transparent and vulnerable, all of us in this room have struggles. All of us deal with finding our worth. You say, Mickey, prove it to me. Okay. If I started talking to you about doing something for the Lord, probably the first thing you would do is say, oh, he he couldn't use me. You don't understand my past. You know what you're really saying? You've not allowed God to define your worth. It's a different situation, but it's the same situation that Naomi just described to you. You've allowed earthly people and earthly circumstances and how that's turned out in your life to define what your worth is. You allow your current relationships and the health of those earthly relationships to define if you're worthy to have other relationships. You allow betrayal whether it be through friendships, whether it be even in intimate relationships that you may have, to put up a wall and to cause you to not be open to trusting, not being real quick to let people in. And your your motto in life is, listen, if I can just keep everybody at a distance, then I don't have to worry about them hurting me. And that mentality takes you to a place that when life happens, you put God in that same mentality. Why did did God take my dad? Why did God take my brother? Why is this happening in my life? If, If God really loved me, why are these things happening to me? You say, well, Mickey, how would you answer that? Well, I... I would answer it by making sure you understand who God really is. It comes out of John. He's talking to his disciples. And he tells them this simple statement. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. If it were not so, I would not have told you. But I told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And in that house, there are many rooms. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again so that I can take you where I am. You wanna know how much you're worth? God has literally set up eternity just so he could be with you. I mean, I don't know about you, but that blows my mind. Like he literally prepared a place called heaven 
because he wants to be with you. You say, but Mickey, I, I, I'm, I'm not good enough to be in heaven. Well, that's a very truthful statement. And Jesus said, here's what I'll do. Because I'm worthy, I'll die so that you can be worthy. I'll take your unworthiness, we call it sin, and I'll bear that on the cross. And in return, I will give you my worthiness, we call it holiness, so that way we can dwell together. It is the greatest exchange and it's because of how he values you. And can I just challenge you with one thing before we stand up and we worship and we pray? We have to learn to allow God to determine our worth. You say, Mickey, you don't understand. I got some people at my work. Don't listen to them. Mickey, you don't understand. I got some people in my family. Don't listen to them. You don't understand. I, I get on social media and I look at, don't listen to them. Mickey, where am I gonna listen? Well, I think Naomi gave us a real good idea. She didn't say everything's butterfly and rainbows and everything's just great. But what she did let us know is, listen, I'm gonna lean into his word and I'm gonna listen to him more than I listen to all the noise around me. You know, I don't know of anything that describes what God wants to do with our story more than to use it to take people from death to life. And so can I encourage you today, no matter where you're at, no matter what life's been like, whether you're climbing the mountain on the bottom of the mountain, no matter what is going on, whether you're in the valley, please know you are seen, you are loved, and God is in the middle. If you'll lean into him of using all things for the good for those that are called and loved by his name. Man, thank you so much for joining us today. If you want more information about Crossroads Community Church, you can go to the website, crossroadscommunitychurch.com, and you'll find all that information. You can also, if you want to support this ministry, give online that way and continue to help these podcasts go out. But until next time, share this podcast, help us get the word out. Be blessed. Have a great week.